When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Hey, folks, we've got a treat today. Um, I have uh, been spending a little bit of time pre-show talking with um, Jay Steinfeld, and you are going to absolutely love where we're going to be going with this. Jay was uh, the founder and CEO of Blinds.com. Um, which was the world's number one uh, window covering retailer, uh, ended up yeah he ended up selling it to Home Depot and he was, and he served on Home Depot's uh, uh, board for a long time. Uh, their leadership team, not the board, but the leadership team for uh, a significant period of time. He teaches entrepreneurship, and this is where I want to go with this. He teaches entrepreneurship at Rice University's Jones Graduate School of Business, and. He's got a book out that's a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. And given the nature of this show and given what we talk about, uh, I could not think of a better uh, guest that has been in the trenches, that has come out on the other side of this thing, and is in a position right now to really talk about what it takes for you as an entrepreneur, uh, for you as a business leader, to actually excel, not just survive. And the whole idea here is how do we thrive as a business? So uh, Jay Steinfeld, welcome to the show. Blaine, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm going to just start off with a question I typically will ask of most of our guests. When you hear the term the soul of business, where do you go with that? The soul of business. Well, that's that's a deep interpersonal uh, question. And I think well, my book, Lead from the Core, it's about the core. And the core is not about business, but it's about people. The soul of, of business is the people. And the purpose of our, our business, the, the express purpose of Blinds.com was to help people become better than what they ever believed possible. It wasn't a slogan. That was my purpose, because I realized as a leader, my job isn't just to build sales and revenue and get teams and all this, but my job is to develop other leaders and to lead people to a common destination. And the soul is to know what are those things that are within you, that are part of your DNA, that propel you, that propel your behaviors to do those things that everybody knows that's what a leader is supposed to do. And for me, there are four things. And they're the four E's. The first E is to evolve, continuously evolve. We know that you must evolve or you die. Yep. But it's not just about ourselves evolving. It's about evolving everybody around you. That means if you hear somebody on the phone who's stumbling over some uh, question asked by a prospective customer, 
your job, your job description is to, after that phone call, go over to Dixie and tell her, Dixie, I heard you having a little issue with that. Here's something that I did that helped me in that situation. So when you have people not only automatically improving themselves and improving everybody around them, including customers, including service providers, including investors, board members, you have this excellence that just happens. It's autonomous excellence that is happening because you've established the right environment that allows people and propels people into doing that. You know, you've got something, and I and I love in the four E's. I, I love simplicity. I mean, you know, when we can distill things down to something that is really easy to articulate, what that suggests to me is that you really have done your homework and you know what you're talking about. I mean, it kind of goes back to what Einstein, I think it was said, if you can, yeah, you don't understand something until you can, can explain it simply. And evolve, experiment, express, and enjoy. Yeah, just as a meme, these these four E's come into play very interestingly. In your book, Lead from the Core, you've got uh, a reference to something that I found absolutely fascinating. And and just in terms of what you were talking about, yeah, just going over to Dixie and saying, Dixie, I heard you were having some difficulty with this. How could there's a there's a piece here, and there's, um, there's a question embedded in my in my monologue here. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what this this intriguing portion of the book is. Uh, well, yeah, the idea of you know, me being willing to just give expertise uh, freely, you know, serving as you know, not as a center of accumulation of knowledge in the, in the, in, in the team, and because it goes in the face of knowledge is power. So people will want to aggregate and, and hold knowledge in the team. And this is one of the surest ways I've found that teams get destructed and uh, get, get destructed, literally when I'm working with executives in their senior teams is we've got folks in you know, different chairs that are holding on to data, information, knowledge, not freely disseminating it because they know that, it, you know, or they assume that it will. They're trying know, to protect their turf and make themselves. Their turf. You've got something in place here where you're asking, encouraging people to be centers of distribution. If you've got knowledge, share it freely. And the, I love the, you know, the idea of autonomous, you know, the, the, this whole autonomous space. The thing that I'm referencing in your book is the Evolve Continuously Whiteboard. Yes. This thing, um, yeah, I, I won't do it justice to talk about it, but I was, I was reading both the preamble into it and kind of you know, everything that you've actually written about around it. I am just intrigued with not only the idea, but I think it's brilliant, but also just how did you find it working in- Amazing. It, it is amazing. You know, first of all, the most important thing in terms of a core value is the behavior. No question. I'm sure you and all your, your listeners or viewers know that core value is about behavior, not what you say or what you aspire to be. So evolving is the main thing. But one of the things that we're doing is making sure that people become better just as people, yeah. not about achieving anything for the business. Once they become better, they can do whatever they want. So we reinforce this and we reinforce it, one, with our behavior, two, is with this Evolve Continuously whiteboard. It's a big whiteboard where everybody can see it and everybody writes on it something that they're doing to, to evolve, to improve themselves, such as I'm taking lessons to quit smoking. I'm learning to be a patient driver. I'm learning to spend more time with my children. Personal things. Um, there could be some business thing. And then Everybody sees it 
And everybody is now pronouncing this publicly for accountability that I am a person who evolves. And I, I, uh, I'm loud and clear about how I evolve as a person. And then people will write, just like they do on social media, little uh, comments and, and reactions to it like, yeah, go Trey, I know you can do it. Or how, how fast is your time now? How, how quickly are you doing that time now? Things like that. So everybody's supporting each other. And then after about a week or two, when the board fills up, we erase it and everybody puts up new things that they're working on. So not only are you having this accountability and, and pro making these proclamations about, I am a person who evolves just like you are, but we get to learn about each other. It yeah. brings a humanity back into the workplace because really we're just people. We're not the accounting department. We are, we are Tim, an engineer in accounting or in, in, in IT, wherever it is. So the idea is to learn about people, to respect people, to respect the fact that we're being vulnerable and saying that I have weaknesses and frailties and I don't know everything and I need to get better because as a leader, Understanding that there are vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities in yourself and in the business is refreshing for most people because people feel like they can't speak up and they can't have a voice, which is what our number three core value of express yourself is in part about, to have the freedom to say whatever you want for the good of the people and for the good of the business. The idea of this you know, board, uh, I, I, I love this thing. Uh, and you know, you mentioned vulnerability a couple of different times here. Um, you know, it's, it's my bias that all an organization is at the end of the day is just a collection of people that are in relationship. That's all any organization is. And if these relationships are working relatively well, the organization's got a pretty good shot at being successful. And, you know, the most obvious is the interpersonal relationships, but also relationship with goals, objectives, values, uh, work process. I mean, you know, all of those have relational aspects. Sure. But the thing, the thing about the relationships that I find interesting, and this is, I go back to vulnerability, is um, number one, it's risky. Uh, so you've got people actually writing on this board personal things. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, losing 10 pounds or 20 pounds or um, you know seizing smoking or, or what you know it's personal stuff you know, oftentimes around health um but it can be all kinds of different things here it has been my experience and i'm just going to check this out with you in terms of how you you know built not only blinds.com but also how you actually you know from a leader's perspective you know was you know affected home depot uh, and and i you know, recognize publicly traded company. There's things that we need to, you know, kind of pay attention to there. Sure. Um, but the idea of vulnerability, people connect through vulnerability and they disconnect through certainty. That's kind of how I've come to ex you know, experience, you know, this human dynamic. Yeah, well, vulnerability. I, I agree with that to connect completely. With. Yeah. In terms of our vision, we had a vision, a compelling 2020 vision, which we established in the year 2015. We said, this is almost going to be impossible to do. We don't know that we can do this, but it is ambitious. And if anybody can do it, it's us. And we're going to work our butts and figure it out together. And we established in a booklet that was written as if it was written five years into the future, looking retrospectively back on the last five years about mm -hmm. what we had become. 
And a lot of that pamphlet, a lot of that book was about the people that we had become, how we grew as a, as a people, how we developed personal identities beyond where we were. But we always kept the four E's. The four E's were still part of that and ironclad as part of the reason why we were able to achieve so much. And yes, there were big revenue targets and all this, but it was our vulnerability of not even necessarily knowing how we were going to get there. But the ambiguity of it was tantalizing. It was compelling. For entrepreneurs, you don't want a simple path. If it's easy, everyone else is going to do it. You want something that's really hard so that at the end of the day, even if you get halfway there, you've still done more than anyone else has been able to do because you were so ambitious in your goal. And when you get people working, thriving on the ambiguity of who knows what we can all become together, you will achieve so much more than what you ever believed. And people will become better than they ever believed possible. And people will feel consequential because they are doing consequential things. And you go home and you feel like you've played a really important integral part of everybody else's future, including your own. And you have this this passion about your own uh, manifest destiny, that you can control of this and you're helping achieve all the things that you wanted to do. And you're not even sure where you're gonna get to because (laughs) there's so many things that are wrong with everything, but we're gonna figure out how to get better. And and who would believe that? We had an 8% turnover. I know. And when we were, even after we sold to Home Depot, Three years after that sale, virtually no one in leadership left. In fact, I don't think we lost one person in leadership uh, from one, three levels down. Because now with Home Depot, we had this firepower that we didn't have before. And now all the things that we wanted to do, we could do with rockets behind us. It was, and I stayed on for seven years. How many entrepreneurs do you know that start with nothing, build something of significance, sell it to a big company and stay seven years. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was so, it was so fun being with Home Depot and with the team and doing things along with this mammoth company of, of significance and being part of it. There's, there's, uh, I, I mean, okay. I'm going to say something here that, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't take it the wrong way. Uh, I love you. I, I mean, I absolutely love this. I love you. I love where you're coming from. I love the ideation that you're bringing you know, into the table here. There's, there, there's, folks, as you're listening to this, I want you to really pay attention. I mean, there is, I mean, there are nuggets being dropped everywhere. You know, when Jay is speaking here, one of them, and this is from an entrepreneurial perspective here, and from a leadership perspective, ambiguity can be tantalizing. Okay. I cannot tell you, Jay, the number of uh, leaders that I've worked with that uh, faced with ambiguity, they just get frozen. It's kind of, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And it's kind of, I just want clarity. Take that off the table. The tantalizing piece here. What's the invitation for exploration? What's the invitation for possibility? What's the invitation for inventiveness and creativity? And I go back to the soul of business here. Yeah, faced with ambiguity, you are actually moving out of certainty and into the domain of the imagination. And as far joyful. As, it's joyful. It's joyful. Expensive. You're not trying to constrain. You're trying to build. You're creating. 
And there's creation is so much better than, than constraint and helping you're, you're also, you're not only just creating a business, you're creating increased value of people. It, it is the most gratifying thing. And then to see them leave your company and start their own businesses. Oh my God. That's like your child leaving the house, going to school and getting a job and then excelling at that job. It's the same joy that you get by seeing people move to wherever they want to go. Yep. Uh, That's beautiful. We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to take a real quick break here. You know, the the people thing. I want to talk about that. And I want to kind of put it in the context of compassion, you know, compassionate capitalism. Uh, You know, again, we just... Yeah, preparatory to uh, jumping into the show, we had a little bit of a conversation. I want to be sure that we can kind of unbundle that conversation a little bit more publicly. Uh, So we're going to take a real quick break, folks. We'll be right back talking with Jay Stanfield, uh, founder of Blinds.com, and just a wealth of wisdom here. Just an incredible. uh, We've got a book that we're going to be uh, continuing to you put in front of you here, Lead from the Core, the Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. So, Jay, I'll be right back with you in just a minute. Folks, stay tuned. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to BlaineBartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to BlaineBartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind Program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. Uh, before we took a break, I had said to Jay that I wanted to you know, kind of hone in on uh, people a little bit. And I was very intrigued with something you said right at the very begin, uh, beginning here. Uh, working with people in such a way that they find themselves doing things that they never thought possible. You know, this, this, and it, it goes right to the, you know, the ethos, the value core that you work with from uh, evolving, just, you know, everything wants to evolve. Nature, if you look around nature, I mean, my last TED talk was uh, nature is the ultimate business guru. And the, one of the lessons I took growing up on a farm is that nature is always looking for ways to grow. Never, it's, it's always aspirational, even in the fall and winter. There's that, you know, that latency period here, but it's just regrouping for another growth. When you bring people on, and and I was just absolutely struck by something else that you talked about uh, in the book. This whole notion of evolution, being better than you were when you came in the door, when you will go home at night, 
Yeah, that that I yeah that whole idea. How do you actually get that in place culturally? Because most people aren't accustomed to that as a business um, as a business driver. That's that's a, a an important question. I am I'm really glad you asked that. But I also want to just go back just one step and say, the my pr- definition of success is being in the process of evolving and helping everyone around me evolve. So that means I don't just get better at the end of the day. Throughout the day, there are multiple times where I've thought of a way to be a little bit better as the way I express something, or I felt improved some process, or I help somebody else think of a better way to approach a problem or a better way to think. So that way you can be successful all day. And that is a great way to be, where you go in knowing that of all the things that are weaknesses, that you can feel really good now because you know later you're going to be better. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a refreshing way. It's, it's this dichotomy, this paradox of, of being happy now, knowing that you're not as good as you need to be, but will be somewhat better. And, and when, that when, mindset when people, is powerful. When people feel supported that way, and they know that I, as a leader, truly authentically care about their success, they're going to, they're going to do things beyond what you ask them to do. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them to do this? Well, the first thing is we actually interview for this trait because we know it's hard. We know it's hard to experiment. We know it's hard to evolve, to look yourself in the, in the mirror and, and admit frailties. So we ask people in the interview, uh, Blaine, give me some examples of what you do in your personal life right now to get better at something. Mm -hmm. If they can't answer that question, it is a litmus test for us because we don't want people who come into our organization and then we tell them, you know, it would really be great if you evolved. No, we want people who like to evolve who take chances and, and experiment in their lives and ask behavioral questions about whether they, how they deal with ambiguity and these things so that we already have people with a running start towards our four key principles. And when you have that, and then when they come in and you then spend an hour, I spend an hour with, with all the, the employees in the first week letting them know this is how those four principles were the origin of them and why they're important. And if you follow those, you will succeed here because you will get better. And if you don't, not only will you not succeed, you won't keep up because we are growing and we like to grow. And if you don't grow, you're going to be left behind and there is not a place for you here. And it's not going to be easy, but it's your responsibility because personal development is the responsibility of every individual. It's not the leader's responsibility to help the other people do it, although you must provide them with the tools and the resources and and time. Compassion is about not just providing resources, but the time to use those resources. So if you want to get into uh, compassion, I think generosity is a whole topic that we can discuss if you want to go there. Well, there's this idea of, you, you, again, you bring in a couple of different things here. Um, you know, hiring for people. Now, you said something just right there that I just kind of perked up. Uh, I did a lot of work with Starbucks uh, a number of years ago, spent about five years working with them. And their onboarding process was very rigorous. Um, 
As a matter of fact, when they brought in a new CEO, when Howard actually moved out of that position, um, the, you know, Jim Donaldson, who they brought in, uh, it was interesting. Uh, for a month, all he did was, yeah, you know, he, he learned how to be a barista. He went to the roasting plant. I mean, yeah, the yeah the the embedding of the values core. You said that what you do uh, is you spend an hour with each person, the, a new hire. Right. As the CEO of a company that was as large as Blinds.com became, how did you find the time to do that? And I say I know you found the time, but the the, the and I mention this because I will hear leaders all the time going, "Well, I don't have time for that." How did you find the time? Okay, so it wasn't with each individual person, the uh-huh. training, I would talk to the training class. Training so class. There, might okay. be, there might be five people, there might be 25 people. And I mean, how can you not spend an hour a week with, with the most important thing in your company? And that is how we are all going to behave and what the expectations are. If you don't have an hour to tell people what the expectations are on how behavior should be, what are you doing? You're not a leader. You're a dictator. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to read something out of the book here that I think is just fascinating. Um, and this was, you know, when you, had, you know, when Hunter Douglas moved away, you know, which was both your, your main supplier, but also uh, a direct competitor, uh, ultimately. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you said here, our customer service team was always determined and had been trained to uh, solve customer problems because you know customer problems came up you know and there was an instance here where you know in a transition piece very disruptive you know one of your major suppliers you know, you know kind of selling to us. yeah and so this is interesting here our systems were not equipped to handle the disruptive demand but our associates mindset and skills were another point to hiring for culture fit and personality had our customer service team not lived the four E's, I don't know that we would have made it through quite as well. The mindset, you know, and this idea of managing, you know, for you know, management is a focus on predictability and stability. And that's what systems come into play here. Leadership is about possibility and people. And what you what you did and, and what you continue to espouse and continue to do is focus on the, you know, getting people that have this Let's, you know, let's get it handled mindset. I can handle ambiguity. It's tantalizing. You know, right. let, let's, you know, let's, you got a problem. Let me see how we can work on this together to solve your problem. Yeah. Uh, that mindset, even though the systems don't support it right now, we're going to find a way to make this happen. We're, it's it, it's going to be hard and we're going to be exhausted. And we were exhausted and it, it was not sustainable. But while we were figuring it out, at least customers were being taken care of as best we could uh, over a, a short period of time. Eventually we, we figured it out. Yeah. And, but it was the, the ability to have people who are resilient and who, who knew that, look, one of the things we do is we, we know there's going to be issues. And when they come up, it's very matter of fact, okay, that's not good. What, how do we, how do we resolve this? It's, and, and when I went after writing the book, when I first, the first draft, there wasn't a lot of these angst and dilemmas that you were reading about. And I added a lot more because I'd forgotten about all those. Yeah. It was, and then when I asked Daniel Kotler, who is my chief marketing officer, do you remember this being hard? And he said, 
no, it was fun. I said, but but I don't have enough of the the the, the angst and the dilemmas and the problems and the, the forks in the road where we had to make these tough decisions. And he said, but we just did those matter of fact. It, it wasn't traumatic at all. I said, I know, but I need to put it in there. Or people are going to think that I've glossed over it because they were hard decisions. They, but that, because it was just part of the game. Part of the game. Part of the joy. You, you build it into the game. Yes. Yeah. You build it into the game. Build right. the expectation in. You know, the idea of compassion. I want to I want to touch on that in the time that we have left here. Um the, the, the notion of compassionate capitalism for a lot of people when they first hear it is almost an oxymoron. Uh, it's kind of like, how can compassion and capitalism you know, coexist? Uh, because that's not the experience that many people have with our current capitalistic model. When I wrote that book, Compassionate Capitalism, it was predicated on a notion that the purpose of business is to enhance the possibility of life thriving on this planet. You know, the idea of thriving. Mm -hmm. What you did at blinds.com is actually took that notion, uh, you know, un unbeknownst to you in my language here, but I mean, you just ran with it and, and you did exactly what that's about. The examples that you talk about, you know, your, your customer service people connecting, you know, the, the, the whiteboard, the aspirational whiteboard. Um, it's all about connection. And it's impossible for me to be compassionate about something that I don't feel connected to. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I found in a lot of businesses today is they don't feel connected in, a, in, a, in an actionable way to constituents that are absolutely sacrosanct to the success of their business, whether it's a supplier, a customer, a banker, uh, you know, whoever it might be. All your stakeholders. All your stakeholders in the broadest sense possible here. How did you in this, you know, I'm very pragmatic here. How do you run a compassionately capitalistic company? I get that question all the time. How do you run a compassionately capitalistic company? Well, it's much easier because there's there's so much there's so much less stress because you're actually being respectful to people. How is that? How would you not run a business or any organization? without respect. It isn't respect and trust the mandatory in any relationship. So, I so. I mean, I mean it, is that too much to ask having a little respect for people? So to me, there's, there's no oxymoron at all. Yeah. The, and, and generosity and compassion is not about giving more money Although I don't think you should cap compensation. If people are doing amazing, give them an amazing amount of money. Yeah. But it's about giving more respect, more generosity, giving them more voice, listening, asking questions, not just what I want and what the business wants, but what do you want? What do you, where do you want to be in five years? And even if it's outside this company, I'll help you get there. And you'll get there faster and better here than if you go out right now. And people said, you know what? I was afraid to even say that, but they say it all the time in our one-to-one -one meetings. Here's where I wanna be. And when you do that, surprisingly, counterintuitively, people work harder because they know you're helping them and you care. Yeah. People will just do more and more than you ask them to do when you just show respect and care and allow them and help them and facilitate support them to get where they want to go. 
they're not mutually exclusive. Giving is not the mutually exclusive with getting. They, it, it's the same thing. Yeah, flip sides of the same coin. Yeah. Folks, we've been talking to Jay Steinfeld. Uh, Jay is the uh, author of an amazing book that you want to get. It's called Lead from the Core, The Four Principles for Profit and Prosperity. Uh, Jay, where can people find out more about what you're up to if they are so inclined? Well, jaysteinfeld.com is one place. Uh, I am prolific on LinkedIn, so please connect with me there. Uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, I'm pretty well out there. <laughs> if you want to find me, you can do it. You can do it. Okay. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, find out more about what we're up to at blainebartlett.com. Um, there's uh, resources there that uh, are made freely available. Just about everything I have is, is freely available in one way or on one way or another. So do check us out. Jay, thank you so much. It has been an absolute honor and pleasure having this conversation with you today. Thanks. Entirely my pleasure, Blaine. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll see you next time, folks. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.